Welcome to the Accord Alliance podcast, where we talk with thought leaders and innovators about monitoring, evaluation, research, and learning in Christ-centered relief development and advocacy. I'm your host, Subodh Kumar, and today we are talking with Pete Howard, leadership consultant with Christian Relief and Development Agencies. Pete and I have been friends for almost a decade, have worked together and jointly share the passion for building Christian leadership for human flourishing and measuring the transcendence nature of our Christian mission. That's the reason we are here today. Welcome, Pete. Thank uh, you, Svod. Yeah, good to be here with you. Thank you. So, Pete, let me first start with a request uh, to briefly tell our audience about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks, Svod. It's really great to be with you all on this uh podcast. I, um, I'm married to Angela, my wife, and we have two kids. And so those, that's, that's the number one focus and primary uh, joy of my life is being a husband and father. And then in the midst of that, I've had the great privilege for close to 20 years to be working in the relief and development um, world. And um, it's become a passion of mine to think deeply and theologically um, how we care for the most vulnerable. And so for 18 years, I worked with an organization called Food for the Hungry. Many of you, uh, the audience members know them. And what a gift that was for me to be formed under great leaders um, about to think deeply about how we care for the most vulnerable and how we do it in the name of Christ and through the power of Christ and how we uh, live out a kingdom vision and through our work. So, um, that's where Sabote, of course, you and I met. Was in uh, I think we we overlapped there for about ten years, Correct. serving together. <laughs> Excuse me, at Food for the Hungry, and so you and I, I think, challenge and encourage each other on that journey as well. So about a year ago, um, I stepped down from my work with Food for the Hungry, and since then I've been um, supporting various organizations, doing consultancy work. Um, really focused on uh, kingdom transformation and what does kingdom transformation look like in our work, working around the world among the most vulnerable and in the name of Christ. Thank you, Pete. Um, you know, Pete, when I think about you, three words comes to my mind, <laughs> beauty, goodness, and truth. And you only taught us these are theological virtues. So can you share a little bit about how these virtues uh, came to your mind or you uh, yeah. adapted it? <laughs> well, they, it was really transforming when I first was introduced to these. And, and uh, like you said, I've been a Christian all my life, really. And so I, I went to seminary. You, you also went to seminary. And so I had been steeped in theology and, and then in my work at Food for the Hungry, a great uh, an organization steeped in evangelical theology. But I had never thought deeply about beauty, goodness, and truth, and the role they play in our kingdom work. Um, and about probably six or seven years ago, uh, I happened to listen to a, a video YouTube clip by uh, Robert Barron, Bishop Robert Barron, and he's a Catholic bishop out of California, and he has a ministry called Word on Fire. And he, he, he did a talk about the role of beauty in evangelization. And I was powerfully struck by how 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 important beauty is to us as people um, created in the image of God, and how beauty can be a great uh, 
a vehicle to point not only ourselves to Christ, but to point others to Christ. And then I, once I got focusing on the role of beauty, then then I was introduced through, you know, these are the great theological virtues. They go back to uh, Plato and Aristotle. They, they focused on what they call the transcendentals or these attributes of being, beauty, goodness, and truth. And um, these are the great hungers of the human soul. These are things that all of us care or all of us long for. And so when I was first introducing it, I just started reading much more deeply. And the thing I, I love about them is it connects us as Christians with our, our secular friends. Because if I, if I go into a meeting, let's say I'm at World Vision or Food for the Hungry, I go into a UN meeting, and I start talking about verses of the Bible, right? Or I start mm -hmm. talking about fruits of the Spirit. Well, people's eyes will glaze over because I'm using a language that they won't understand. But if I go into a meeting at the UN and we start talking about working in a community and pursuing the beautiful and the good for that community and pursuing truth um, and what truth looks like for that community, we, we have a common language which we can talk and engage with our secular friends as we as we pursue similar goals in our in our work and because all of us we're all created in the image of God and we have these hungers in our soul we can never have enough beauty and beauty points us to our creator he is the creator of beauty the author of beauty and um, it, it, it points us to him goodness of course God himself uh, um, exemplifies goodness in his perfection God himself exemplifies truth in his perfection. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, um, so when we're engaging our secular friends, we can pursue beauty with them, and through the Holy Spirit, he can, he can use beauty and point them, bring them ultimately to Christ himself. So um, I've, I've engaged deeply, and in, in the beauty in our work is Aristotle talked about beauty, Plato talked about beauty, goodness, and truth, but then St. Augustine, St. Aquinas in the church, and even up into the modern age, G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis spoke a lot around these theological virtues, these attributes of being, and um, I think they can be deeply informative to uh, <laughs> the why of our work, the what, and the how. Huh. And so, I mean, maybe in our conversation, we could talk a little bit more about even that and how the, uh, these virtues can inform our work and how we do it. Thank you, Pete. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, that you are uh, now a leadership consultant. You, and uh, I believe leadership as an influence is at the root of most understandings of the phenomenon of human flourishing and is one common denominator that can focus all theories of change and strategies of hope. Why do you think, in doing so, Christian leaders must pay greater attention to these theological virtues of beauty, goodness, and truth? It's a great question. I think, I mean, when we think of leadership, what is leadership? It's, it's, it's journeying with others. It's pilgrimaging with others who are created in the image of God. And we are all created in the image of God, and God created us as beautiful beings who reflect his image. I mean, uh, Sabod, you reflect the beauty of God's image. Mm -hmm. you, per, you, you and I reflect it imperfectly, but we're signposting God. At, you know, goodness, we, we reflect God's goodness when we're at our best. We reflect the truth of God when we're at our best. So in leadership, every person we engage is hungering 
desire and longing for beauty, goodness, and truth. So as a leader in our work, I think it's essential that we exhibit these, <clears throat> these attributes. And I think that, um, one, what they do is each of these attributes elevate, they raise us up and they elevate our, our gaze. They allow us to see not only our dignity, but the dignity of those we engage um, <laughs> with greater clarity. And if we truly see the beauty, goodness, and truth in another individual, we treat that person with greater, with greater dignity, with greater honor, and we listen to them. So, you know, even those, you know, in leadership, we obviously run into people that we don't really like sometimes, who we struggle with. For me, it's always a help, a helpful kind of matrix to say, well, where is the beauty of God's creativity in this individual. I might not agree with him or her, but I know God's beauty's there. He's written it in her heart or in his heart. Where is it? And where is the goodness of God in this person? I know this person exhibits God's goodness. I might not feel it right now in this meeting where I'm going to head to head with this person, but I know it's in there. So how can I pursue that in this conversation with this, this individual? And, and, and each person that we engage, even if we might disagree with them. We do know they have God's truth written in the, written on their soul. Well, as a leader, how can I spotlight that? Even though I might disagree with many of the things they're saying, I know that God's truth is written on their heart. Let me get at that. Um, and I think it allows for an elevated, dignified conversation where we actually can, or a, it, it allows for a more life-giving conversation with people in leadership if we do that. Um, I also think that you know, you and Sabod, you and I have talked about the transcendence of our work. And when you and I use that term, we're not just thinking of just what we deliver. Correct. Are we delivering a, a transactional product? Are we just counting the number of wells drilled or the number of, um, you know, uh, you know how much food has been delivered? No, we're looking for, are we, are we getting at the transcendence of the human person that we're engaging, the most vulnerable, and are we are we uh, engaging that person as a as a man or woman created in the image of God, and beauty, goodness, and truth? If we see those we serve in the field through that lens as image bearers of God's beauty, goodness, and truth, then I think our work, um, the product of our work, the what of our work is is so much richer, and of course then. Um, it also informs the how of our work. I, I, we could probably talk about this a little bit more, but if, if you think about Simon Sinek and how he uses the language of why, how, and what, and you know he's got those circles, and in the center is the why, and then you have the how and the what. I think beauty, goodness, and truth is a great way to help us think about the transcendence of our why. As Christian, as as practitioners in the relief and development world we are engaging god's image bearers when we engage the human person um, and we're serving the most vulnerable we're engaging his image bearers and we're engaging their transcendence and we see that transcendence transcendence in the beauty god's written in them their creativity um, the goodness the kindness we might see them exhibiting towards others towards their family towards their friends 
And if we can see God's beauty, goodness, and truth in the individuals we're serving with and alongside of, then we're seeing the transcendence. And then our work pursues that transcendence versus just, versus just a transactional, well, here's some food, or here's some education, or, uh, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a vaccination. <laughs> no, we engage them as a whole person. Whole person. Yeah. yeah. So this has been an important uh, lesson, especially uh, for the leaders in the monitoring and evaluation world. And Pete, uh, you have been a leader in Christian relief and humanitarian space for almost two decades. So especially when it comes to leadership uh, in the area of M&E, uh, how do you see the Christ-centered organization should be demonstrating these theological virtues of beauty, goodness, and truth in whatever way they do uh, in their implementation as well as what they monitor and what they evaluate uh, to uh, basically generate the evidence of the kingdom. Yeah, well, I, and I like that you use the word the kingdom because I think um, really what beauty, goodness, and truth is, these are signposts of God's kingdom. And so um, I think our work, um, I think one way, one lens <coughs> about our work and things that we can start to measure are, things uh, are, are the attributes around beauty. So let's take beauty for a second. What is beauty? Well, beauty elevates our gaze, but we see beauty in multiple ways. And, and the ancient church has talked about beauty, beauty in creation, um, beauty in the arts, mm -hmm. creativity, and beauty in the human person. So I think um, when we think about our work as uh, international in the humanitarian space, as we engage in communities, um, I think part of what we need to do is we need to go into that community with an, a, a lens to look for God's beauty that's already there and to cultivate it. So one, let's say even in some, of, let's go to South Sudan, a difficult place to live, um, a lot of poverty, but the beauty of God's creation is there. So if we're working in food security and agriculture, um, we can go in and we can further cultivate the beauty of God's creation that is already there. And as we cultivate and nurture that beauty um, through our agriculture work and, and nurturing the gardens and the farms to produce food, um, we are spotlighting and, cult and, and, and we're spotlighting beauty and then elevating it. Um, I think the same with goodness. You go into South Sudan and you can go into communities and you can see God's goodness is already at work. Husbands loving their wives, wives loving their um, husbands, taking care of their children. Well, that's that's goodness at its best. That's the fruits of the Spirit being lived out. Well, in our work, our job isn't to come in and give the answers. Our job is to come in and spotlight that and further join in the journey to pursue goodness in that community. And I think we can also, I mean, think about ultimately truth. So I think in our work, the kind of work we're doing, I like... I like this idea, start with beauty. Um, our work should cultivate and bring out the beauty that God already has. And then um, that'll, that'll make us long for greater, to become better people, it elevates our gaze to become better people, and then ultimately we'll long for the truth. And I think that's when ultimately we can start to point our, uh, the communities we serve towards the way, the truth, and the life, who is Christ himself. But we start with beauty, and thinking of beauty and creation, beauty in the arts. And the most beautiful thing in the world is a life transformed by Christ. So 
I think what can be most powerful in our work is thinking, okay, we are out there doing a service, but is our, are our lives as NGO practitioners, relief development practitioners, are our, are our lives transformed by Christ? And if we are living lives that are transformed by Christ, we can't help but then overflow right. to those we're serving alongside of. And that's where um, beauty really starts to um, multiply and uh, have a deeper impact into the community and into our teams that we're serving on. Thank you, Pete. Uh, you know, Pete, you and I have been uh, talking about uh, another uh, trilogy uh, like beauty, goodness, and truth uh, in terms of faith, hope, and love. Hmm. You know, the most significant leadership challenge that I see of the 21st century is to mitigate the problems and threats to human flourishing which is the core of Christian proclamation seen from very early church history. And I believe that teleology of generative hope is the primary motivator for human flourishing and epistemology of love is the necessary condition for human flourishing. Hmm. So the question that I have for you, Pete, uh, is um, faith, hope and love as expressions of human transcendence. Do you think they best represents the evidence of human flourishing? the state of Shalom, and why should a Christ-centered organization should consider generating evidence of faith, hope, and love as part of their monitoring and evaluation? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is the question, Sabo, that I would love. I mean, I, we could go on this conversation a long time because there's a lot of learning, I think, that we have to do in this area. But, you know, these are, these are the theological virtues, right? These are the virtues that God has given to us. And it's important when we think of faith, hope, and love to remember that these virtues only come to us as gifts. They find their source in God and they direct us towards God. And they are truly signposts or hallmarks of the kingdom of God. Um, and um, <coughs> as, we per, as we pursue them, we're really pursuing the beatific vision or the kingdom of God. So um, there's no higher there's no higher virtues to pursue. And I, I think when um, what I like about when you think of faith, faith is the, the gift and faith informs our intellect, right? It, it informs how we understand and we have to enter in to the life of faith through our intellect. Hope informs our will and gives us the will to pursue, even through difficult things, gives us the will to pursue hope. And, and obviously, you know, in, our, in the kind of work we are doing around the world, we're working in some of the most difficult, hopeless places. So what can we bring? Well, if we can bring through the Holy Spirit, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith, hope, and love, then we are we're coming into communities and giving them both the intellectual capital, God gives that, and we can cultivate that through faith, as well as the will to pursue the higher vision, not only for heaven, but for here on earth. Um, and then love, uh, the virtue of love, it, it purifies our um, will. It pur purifies what we pursue. So love um, kind of completes faith and hope and gives it direction. And um, so I think as 
uh, as workers, how can we measure that? That's the great challenge. The other thing, and this is where I'd love to hear even your thoughts on this, is I think faith, hope, and love are these theological virtues which we know within our Christian tradition, gifts of God. But they complement what are called the, the natural virtues or the cardinal virtues. virtues. And I think in our work, it, it, in some ways, it's the combination of both um, that speaks to that shalom. So if you think of the, the faith, hope, and love perfect these cardinal virtues of wisdom or prudence, as the ancients called it, justice, um, courage, and temperance. So what does a community look like where um, there is, where wisdom directs the other virtues, wisdom directs justice, and, and justice, of course, is giving, is ensuring that others have uh, their just rewards, their just due, um, and courage, where communities have the courage to do what is right and just, even though it's hard. Courage is, you know, bravery or fortitude, as the ancients called it. And then temperance, the virtue of temperance, a society that knows how to pursue good things, but at, with moderation, you know, food with moderation, uh, leisure with moderation, entertainment with moderation, um, all that we do, the, the virtue of uh, temperance is, is, uh, is, is critically important. So I'm kind of curious, what does a society look like um, where we pursue the natural virtues, we bring that in our work, you know, prudence, wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance, and how they are informed or perfected by the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Um, I don't know precisely how we measure those things, but they are the transcendent virtues. And if we are, as Christians, if we're going to be unique, we have to measure. Uh, somehow we have to put we have to put some measurement around those. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing as our secular friends, which is good work, but it's not the transcendent work that we're called to. Um, yeah. Such a deep conversation, uh, Pete, that you and I had. Uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, so that we can continue with this conversation. But I just wanted to thank you for sparing your time for this conversation and, and blessing us richly with your insight. But before we uh, end this conversation, uh, now that you are doing a leadership role and leadership uh, consultancy uh, for uh, Christ-centered relief and uh, humanitarian agencies, uh, I would like to request if you want to share with our audience about your new vision. So that would be very helpful if it's okay with you. Yeah, I'd be I'd happy to. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm, yeah, so I'm working on uh, one consultancy that I'm very excited about is I'm working with the Accord Network. And the Accord Network is a group of, well, obviously, <laughs> it's, you know, so I'm working with Accord. And um, we're we're pursuing this vision of what does it look like for Accord to steward the sacred trust of integral mission. And so when you think of Accord, Accord was founded over 40 years ago, and it was founded in large part built upon the vision coming out um, of the Lausanne movement, 1974. And Lausanne movement really looked at the integration of faith and uh, 
of work of de, you know bringing um, word and deed together and and the term that has been used for many years is integral mission and as I think about the agencies uh, with Accord that is the one thing that is our comparative advantage that's what we are uniquely called uh, to steward it's something that we've been given it's a gift integral mission or um, using more of the Bryant Myers language, kingdom transformation, shalom. Um, well, I think that a play, like accord we can we can more deeply steward that trust. And how do we do that? I th I would like to see under the accord umbrella to develop a center or a, a community where we um, challenge each other to best practices in peer learning around integral mission so that we can have conversations around how do you measure, how do you pursue and measure faith, hope, and love? And, and how do you see the benefits of faith, hope, and love through shalom in a community? Or how, how, do, you, how do you look at the role of beauty, goodness, and truth in bringing transformation in a community? Um, and so my the vision, and I'm working with a group of stakeholders uh, throughout Accord, and I'm looking forward to connecting with many of your listeners and others, is how do we create a community and inspire ourselves, re-evangelize ourselves to that transcendent why of our work, which is integral mission, which is uh, the integration of faith um, uh, into, our, into, our <coughs> into our practice. Um, and so I'm excited about it. I think there's, uh, there's, there's definitely energy and hunger to build this out. And the, the, the vision, one piece of the vision, which I'm really excited about is I think we're seeing that, well, let me just, can I, can I take an extra minute here? Sure, sure. When you think of the story of Mother Teresa, and you, I know you've met Mother Never Teresa. Teresa yes. But when you think of that story of her, the world didn't know who she was 40 years ago. 50 years ago. It took a secular reporter out of London, a guy named Malcolm Muggeridge, to travel over to India to look, visit her work, spend time with her. And through his time with Mother Teresa, he had a conversion of heart and soul. And he joined, I mean, he became a Christian. And he, told, and he became a Christian by telling her story. And eventually the BBC did a, a documentary on her. And her story went around the world. And the world was re-evangelized to care for the most vulnerable with dignity, to pursue, to actually see the beauty and goodness of truth of the most vulnerable people in the gutters and streets of Calcutta. And she inspired a whole generation of men and women to care for integral mission. Well, my the, the vision I'm thinking about for Accord is we all know, you and I know, there's Mother Teresa, there's thousands of Mother Teresas all over the world serving on the front lines. Their story needs to be told, and we need to learn from them. What does integral mission look like? And we need to re-evangelize ourselves by being inspired by what transformation or integral mission looks like on the front lines from these men and women who are living out Orthodox Christianity and caring for the most vulnerable. And I think Accord can be the place to start to steward that trust. And we can inspire ourselves as a community, not only form ourselves more deeply in the faith and who we're called to be in our work, but also kind of attract the next generation of young men and women who care deeply about the marriage of, of word and deed 
in caring for the most vulnerable. So that's what I'm hoping to see happen through the this initiative that we're developing at Accord. Thank you, Pete. It has been my pleasure to talking to you. It was such a rich conversation. Uh, I hope uh, we will have more episodes uh, in this podcast to unpack some of these uh, deep thoughts and deep reflection because I think today we only scratched the surface. Um, and so I really want to thank you very much. Um, so we have been talking to Pete Howard. Uh, we have touched on the topic of theological virtues of beauty, goodness, and truth. We have also touched upon that teleology of generative hope is the primary motivator for human flourishing and epistemology of love as a necessary condition for human flourishing, which is the center of what we do in monitoring and evaluation. If you found this topic interesting and you would like to know more about it, please email us with your questions and ideas at ara at accordnetwork.org. Till then, let me say goodbye and thank you very much for listening to this podcast.